Welcome to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com. And now here's your host, Brett Anderson. And welcome back to another podcast. We are on episode 181, uh, season four, and this one is called Behavior Changes. It's that time of year, uh, summer, and a lot of things are happening with school boards. A lot of things are happening with superintendent changes, uh, teacher changes, new teachers being added, uh, student teachers being set up, and a lot of things are preparing for a new year, including policy changes, which are inevitable and happen all the time from state level to uh, district level. And recently, I thought I'd share one that just came out in our area. A new law prohibits suspension of students pre-kindergarten to second grade. How do you feel about that? Uh, That is a new law that's just come out, and uh, every district in our state is going to start figuring out what to do with this in uh, Nebraska. And our largest school district, our largest urban district of 53,000 students, is already making some changes. Uh, Let me share this with you. A new law prohibits the suspension of pre-kindergarten to second graders unless they bring a weapon to school. So the extremes, of course. Uh, Now school districts in the metropolitan area must change their disciplinary processes or policies to reflect the new law. The bill originally proposed was LB 632. The rule was later clumped into LB705 as part of a larger education packet that passed the legislature this session, and that often happens. They put it into another bill, and it has multi-parts, and of course it had this piece in it. Uh, Omaha Public Schools is one district changing its student code of conduct to follow the new law. And this is pretty common with a lot of districts, especially large urban districts that often... Uh, change as the need as discussions uh, happen at the school board and with communities. Uh, Let me continue reading this. Executive Director of Student Community Services at OPS, Annie McFarland, said the changes won't be anything drastic for the district. We've been following a minimal removal from the classroom whenever possible, uh, but we do have the opportunity to put a plan in place, working with families and with the students, uh, she said. This approach to discipline is multi-tiered. It includes consequences like parent meetings and class timeouts or detention. And they do use a multi-tiered approach, uh, which is positive behavior intervention support, something we talk about a lot on our show. Um, They continued, we want to teach students what the desired behaviors are in the environments they're in. And it's the same for a classroom as other, it's the same for the classroom as other parts of the community that there are expectations, uh, she said. It also encourages teachers to use resources such as the school social workers, and this approach focuses on teaching kids social and emotional skills. And we've talked about that on this show too, the importance of social emotional skills. And uh, I do a lot of training in trauma-informed teaching so that uh, teachers know the background and staff know the background of their students. And we've talked about the importance of understanding the demographics of where your students are coming from and your individual community demographics of where you are located because everywhere is different and everywhere has a different community around that as well. Uh, Diversity of students. There are so many differences in schools. Uh, We really do look at what the behavior is communicating to us, digging down to the root, uh, McFarland said, 
And then Senator Terrell McKinney proposed the original bill. He said it's meant to address the disproportionate amount of suspensions for black, Latino, and Native students. And between 2021 and 22, OPS suspended 49% of black students and 24% of Latino students compared to 16% of white students. And this is not uncommon uh, nationally to large uh, urban areas as well. If you start looking at some of the statistics, I didn't pull those up this time, but they are very similar um, and skewed like that. Omaha Public Schools is one district changing its student code of conduct to follow the new law, and actually every district will have to do something to follow the new law since it is a law now for Nebraska. Uh, Executive Director of Student Community Services uh, said the changes won't be anything drastic for the district. So, um, same thing uh, she had said earlier. Um, and then OPS said it's been monitoring the disproportionate suspension of minority students. And McFarland said the district has expanded resources like training and staffing needs to address this. Uh, in an email, McKinney said the multi-tiered approach works and shows a positive influence on academic achievement. This multi-tiered framework works because it's not a curriculum, discipline package, or a product, but a process for individualized and sustained decision-making, planning, and problem-solving, he wrote. Implementation of this is associated with lower discipline referrals and positive influence on academic achievement. And the education, uh, OPS board will continue to revise and look at that uh, code of conduct and uh, hopefully give more direction to administrators as the year starts and to teachers. The biggest challenge, here we go, some of the biggest challenges are going to be uh, getting these uh, differences out to staff on what they can do with students. Um, we have pre-K to kindergarten or to second grade. You can't suspend anymore unless they bring a weapon. Uh, the challenge is going to be coming up with the approaches uh, within your PBIS to support individual needs of your students and setting up those uh, supports to, to help them within the school, uh, making the right connections, developing relationships, uh, giving them timeout spaces, uh, re-energizing spaces, and... Uh, prioritizing training of staff. Uh, it was important to me as a principal to train my staff every year. And some of the things they heard again that I did the previous year, but they needed to hear it every year. And it was training on how to work with students, on on how to de-escalate students, on the right approaches, on uh, to how to avoid power struggles, on how to uh, use tact in dealing with students so they don't so it doesn't become a power struggle. All of these things that are different uh, make a difference in your classroom, developing strong relationships, teaching students to change that channel, uh, redirecting students, and keeping them engaged. Highly engaged students are less likely to have any problems, and that comes with strong procedures and routines uh, developed through the school and through the classrooms. And that comes through what the teachers are doing, and that means... You need to have heavy training and develop teacher capacity to develop strong procedures and routines and to have the skills in their toolbox to work with students that are being difficult or that are being defiant and doing some of the things that disrupt the classrooms. And now we have pre-K to second. And uh, the general public would probably say, pre-K to second, those are small kids. How can they be a problem? And I can tell you, they can be a major problem. I had uh, 
at the high poverty building I was in that was almost 90% free and reduced lunch for 10 years. Uh, we had a lot of things in place, and that's a school I've talked about frequently on the show. And we put uh, supports in place and brought suspensions down dramatically from 256 to that 40 range and had a small number of students there were that George Sagai wolf pack that we constantly worked with and we had individual plans for those students. But I can tell you that we had a lot of kindergartners that came with a lack of social skills and a high needs of uh, work on social emotional learning and they came uh, with a lot of trauma. So when we're talking about trauma informed students. These uh, students had some of the highest trauma which came out in behaviors and these behaviors had to be redirected, had to be uh, worked with, and we had to address that with the students. Sometimes we had to put students on uh, part of a day till we could make it through a full day, and that was part of our plan, and then we increased the time in school until they could continue the full day, because we had full all full day kindergarten, as most do now. Uh, that fits the needs of the students better, and they're better suited to learning and uh, getting more academic uh, learning in a longer period and more meals and uh, more of a safe environment and a lot of good factors of keeping students in the school longer uh, made a big difference with our students but some of those kids were the most difficult students I ever had uh, and we're talking five-year-olds some of them and we're talking even six and seven-year-olds so I mean we're not talking very old kids here but at the same time you know uh, you can still have students that are uh, extremely disruptive and have a lot of emotional uh, needs and uh, need a lot of redirection and need a lot of retraining and reteaching that's going to take a lot of time and hopefully that will happen and we'll get those things in place as as the district gets moving and they'll do a lot more training with uh, with staff because staff's going to need a lot more training I believe in restorative practices, but I believe in restorative practices with a combination of of the multi-tiered approach and that positive behavior intervention supports. And there are times you need to suspend, you need to limit the amount of time outside of the buildings. A lot of buildings have had a bad habit of just sending students out and giving them the maximum. They give them the maximum short term instead of one to five days, they'd give them five days. If it was one to three days, they'd give them three days. And then, then you go to long term and if it was, you know, uh, five to ten they give them ten just so they're out of the building longer and that's not the best practice you want those students in school you want those students learning but you do have to be reteaching you do have to be uh, restoring the the um, emotions you need to be restoring the relationships you need to be getting students back into that academic swing and realizing that they get a fresh start when they come back to school so a lot of that's done through meetings a lot of that's done through problem solving and the best thing you can do is also teach your kids problem solving especially at these younger levels that they're talking about pre-kindergarten through second grade I mean we're talking about students that need restorative practices we're talking about students that need to learn problem solving that need to learn to have empathy for other students that need to learn some of the things about how they're affecting others <coughs> excuse me I'm getting riled up and how they can uh, and the impact they make on others and how they can change their behavior excuse me as they said uh, or have, as we have said changing that channel giving those students some techniques giving them some strategies 
to actually restore and to rebuild relationships and uh, to uh, get back into the correct proper behavior so that's going to entail a lot of reteaching that's going to entail a lot of training with staff and a lot of training with even administrators and maybe changing a building philosophy as needed and uh, driving that philosophy through the building uh, through effective leadership so a lot's going to have to be done uh, hopefully there's still going to be a lot of training going on. I'm hoping to be doing a lot of training still. Uh, usually I'm doing training at the beginning of the year and helping people with positive behavior intervention supports and multi-tiered approaches and working on restorative practices and teaching schools some of the effective practices uh, that you can do to restore those relationships. So that's probably going to be happening more in the fall as well. And uh, hopefully everybody's gearing up for these policy changes all throughout Nebraska and that's not just going to happen in Nebraska I'm sure things like this are happening all over and uh, behavior is an ongoing subject and an ongoing uh, policy changer and as the community uh, comes forward uh, things are going to have to change and there has to be a continued effort to work with the community and not to necessarily bow to the behaviors of students either we have to do some reteaching and we have to do some redirecting and reteaching with parents uh, parents cannot become the bullies that I've had before in the past either. And parents cannot be demanding about uh, us educating their children when their children are highly misbehaved. They have to be a part of the solution and part of the problem-solving process and a part of that restorative practice to get their students in the right mindset and the right kind of behavior that are, are going to be effective students and effective uh, productive citizens. And that's our overall goal. I mean, there's a lot that's going to happen, a lot that still needs to be done. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I'm sure we'll be talking about this again. We always talk about behavior, uh, one of my favorite subjects and favorite things to work on with staff and students and administrators. So as we continue, let me end with a quote today. Our quote is, self-control is strength, right thought is mastery, and uh, calmness is is power and that was by James Allen so as always keep promoting effective leadership through productive culture changes and until next time let's remember to stay positive you've been listening to urban principle leadership lessons brought to you by Brad Anderson consulting.com